Hey, welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra. Great to have you with us again this week. I'm here, Pastor Mike, with Pastor Nick Katie of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado. And uh, we are once again looking at the book of 1 Kings as we continue our journey uh, through the books of uh, First and Second Kings, and our, our series is called Desiring the Kingdom. And uh, if you missed uh, the sermon this week, whitefieldschurch.com, you can go there and download it or any of your favorite podcast platforms. You'll find it there, uh, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Music. And um, so here we find ourselves at the big showdown, First uh, Kings chapter 18 with Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And we had some... You know, various various questions come in this week. Just people commenting on this passage and some of the things. It's you know created quite a bit of interest. You know, and uh, as people listen to this, I mean, it's of course a very well known story, but there were a lot of you know just various elements that piqued people's interests. And one of the questions was is that you find here in verse twenty two, Elijah's like, I'm the only guy left here. There's four hundred fifty prophets of Baal, and I'm here alone. But you know, just a chapter before we met Obadiah. And Obadiah hid a hundred prophets, and so you know, kind of what what's the deal with the prophets here during this time? Yeah. So the one thing you should know is that there are just there are simply more prophets than are mentioned by name. And so, for example, earlier I think it was chapter fourteen, we met Abijah, who was a prophet of the Lord. Um, he's mentioned in the previous chapter, I think chapter thirteen, as a man of God who speaks uh, to. Rehoboam, or sorry, speaks to Jeroboam, not to Rehoboam. But the point is that there are more prophets than we know about, right? Then a hundred prophets, unnamed. We don't know who these guys are. And what that tells us is that uh, prophet was kind of an office that was held in Israel at this time. It wasn't that there was only one prophet at a time. It seems that there were multiple prophets. And so the question is, what do prophets do? Like, what what is their role? And the answer to that is very simple. Um, Basically, remember at this time, the priests existed and the priests were caught up with um, the practices that took place in the temple, which means making the sacrifices, presenting uh, the, you know, offerings and the lighting the incense, everything that pertained to the temple, which sometimes included the reading of the scriptures aloud and things like that. But in general, their focus was around the temple. Now, prophets had a different job. Prophets were more of what we would think about today as pastors in the sense that they shepherded the people and Precisely, the reason they were called prophets is because they spoke the word of the Lord into the lives of the people. They represented the Lord to the people uh, in a speaking kind of way. And so we see this with the prophets. We see that there were prophets, even as we go on, who do different things. In fact, even some of the writing prophets, as we might call them, we see that some of them overlapped with each other. There, you know, some of the prophetic books, the, the prophets, the ministry of the prophets overlapped. And so what that means is that there were prophets who wrote. There were prophets who spoke and never wrote, like Elijah. We don't get the impression that Elijah ever wrote. Uh, Elijah is known, you know, amongst the uh, Jewish people and historically as a wonder-working prophet. And so you had Elijah and Elisha are known as the wonder-working prophets. They did miracles. Uh, Then you have others who wrote and others who spoke. 
And so the idea in general, though, these people served as the pastors for the people, as opposed to the priests who were uh, focused solely around the temple and its, its um, needs and worship. The prophets roamed, I guess you could say. They were roaming pastors, speaking the word of the Lord into the lives of the people. It didn't mean that they were always predicting the future. A lot of times it could be just the word for today. But, you know, as a pastor... That's one of my prayers is that God would give me a prophetic word. And what I mean by that is not that he would help me predict the future. What I mean is that he would give me a word from his heart for the current situation for the people. So. Yeah, no, that's good to to clear that, make that, you know, kind of define a little bit more for us, you know, kind of give us a, you know, a, a window into the role of Elijah uh, during this time. And then one of the other things that came up uh, from your sermon, you made reference to, you know, just uh, what fire and what rain kind of represented, you know, we have these type of, you know, through scripture where things tend to represent the same meaning as we go through the pages of, of the Bible. And you kind of gave a def definition of rain uh, being kind of like the mercy of God falling upon, upon his people. But then somebody brought up like, well, what about the flood? Right. Yeah, fair enough. You know, and I can't say that these are always the same way. Like, so Peter talks about, you know, fiery trials. So when, when Peter mentions fiery trials, he's not saying that those things are God's judgment in your life. He's saying that those things are, in a sense, a form of God's grace, allowing that difficulty to come into your life for the purpose of cleansing you. So that to say these types or symbols, they're not always referring or always symbolizing the same thing. Sometimes fire can be a form of grace is what Peter tells us in first Peter. And in the same way, sometimes in the past water has been used in judgment. And, and you could think about water in general. I mean, that's a whole different discussion that a lot of times in ancient thinking, including in the Bible, water is a symbol of chaos. Right. So it says that uh, in the Psalms, a lot of times it, it refers to this idea that um, the waters saw God and they trembled or that the spirit of the Lord hovered above the waters in Genesis chapter one. It's referring to chaos because you think about water anytime you're out on a boat, right? That water's moving. It's unpredictable. It's unstable. And that's what it represents in, in our lives. So when you see Jesus calming a storm. There's a symbolic piece in there, too. Not only did he literally calm the storm, but that symbolized the fact that he's bringing order into chaos. And he does that in our lives, right? So when Jesus walks on the water, he is walking on the chaos and, uh, and he's sleeping and resting in the midst of chaos. That's the symbolic part of, and again, I'm not saying that that's a symbolic story. I'm saying it is a actual story that took place, but this is what it represents in general water. When I talk about rain representing uh, mercy and grace, I'm thinking mostly like Matthew chapter five. Jesus says that God sends rain upon the righteous and the wicked. In that case, Jesus is referring to rain as a form of mercy and grace, what we call a uh, common grace, right? Something that um, as opposed to specific grace. So there's a specific grace that God does in our lives when he saves us or, or gives us some gift that belongs to us as the children of God. But there's also common grace, right? The, the sunshine today, the, the beauty of the mountains that everyone enjoys, whether they love Jesus or not, the, the rain that falls that causes the crops to grow, whether you're um, a follower of Jesus or whether you're not. So that, that was the sense in which I was referring to it, but it's a, it's a fair enough point that these symbols are not ubiquitous, right? They don't always 
uh, only mean one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's good to clear that clear that up. And we also uh, received uh, an email from somebody, and they just kind of you know made a made a comment about just the prayer life of Elijah. And uh, I was just very very interested to one of the things they read was the fact uh, wrote was that. He asked, you know, as you said, you know, the rain falls on the just and on the unjust. And as Elijah prayed that there would be no rain, he would also be the victim of that, you know, that prayer in a sense where no rain would fall on him. And, you know, and the Bible, you know, talks a bit about Elijah and his prayer life. Yeah, it takes an incredible amount of faith to do that. And, you know, I think about Paul in Philippians where he's saying, you know, I've learned to be content in all things and my God will supply all of my needs. That's a statement of faith. And, uh, and you remember that at that time, Paul's talking about being in poverty. He's, he's writing from a situation in which he's in, he's under house arrest and he doesn't have any money. And he's saying, God has taught me to be content and I have everything I need through Christ Jesus. Uh, He can do all things. He's writing out of a place of of saying, I'm going to trust God. Uh, I don't know how he's going to provide for me in the future. Um, I just know this is what he's calling me to do and I'm going to do it and trust. Same same with Elijah, right? He knows if I pray it's going to stop raining, well, that might affect my water supply, might affect my food supply. It's going to be bad. But this is what God's calling me to do. So I'm going to step out and do it, even though I don't know how he's going to provide uh, for me, but just trusting that he will. Um, I, I loved one piece of the, the story yesterday, which is that, you know, Elijah pours all this water on there. Now, likely this water came from the Mediterranean Sea, but it's also possible it, it was drinking water. You know, we don't know. Um, but either way, he pours this water on there. And I just thought, you know, I just like, I made a quick statement in, in one of the services that God doesn't need the circumstances or the um, conditions to be perfect in order to do his work. And I think that's true in our lives as well. Uh, we often think, well, you know, I know that God's calling me to do this. But I don't see how it's going to work out. I don't see how he's going to cover the cost for this. And uh, that shouldn't be what drives us, right? We, God can do his work. God can light wet wood on fire, right? God can, uh, he can make a way where there is no way. And, um, and the, the act of faith is to say, okay, God, I'm going to follow you in this, even though I don't know how it's going to work out in the end. And that's what Elijah did. James 5 says that Elijah was a man uh, of he was made of the same stuff as you and me. He was no different than anybody else, um, but he prayed with confidence in a big God. Yeah, and it just kind of, for me, raises the question, are there prayers in our own lives that we should be praying or we're not praying because we know they're going to cause pain? Mm. You know, but the Lord is calling us to make those prayers, is calling us to go in those directions, even though, just like Elijah, that was going to cause him pain. You know, he was going to be without water, without food, without just as just as the rest. And maybe that's just a lesson for us that maybe God's going to call and he he wants to do something glorious like what he did through Elijah and just just displayed his glory and his might and his power in front of all the world at that time and proved that he was truly, truly God. So, yeah, we love it when our congregation sits and they listen and they take notes and they ask questions and they come back and say, hey, what about this? What about that? And that's what this is all about. We would, you know, we want to make sure we're educating and, and, you know, asking the questions or answering the questions that you're asking. And um, 
so keep those coming. Uh, keep taking notes and service and listening online. If you missed the service, whitefieldschurch.com. You download it there. Well, of course, we're up on YouTube as well. Just you know, like our page, subscribe to our page, ring that bell. You'll find us there. And, uh, of course, all of the Spotify and Apple Music Google Plays and where whatever platform that you'd like to listen on. Uh, and then just, you know, share it. Share it far and wide and let everybody else just kind of uh, listen to God's word and be blessed by it. So great having you with us this week. And we look forward to seeing you. God bless. Mm-hmm.